If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Microphone on. All right, we're ready to rock. Here we go. This show is sponsored by com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Jackie and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Sestavani. Well, happy November, everybody. This is Jackie Smith, and you are listening to Keep It Magic Radio, or as we affectionately call it, Kim. <laughs> Your um this month is going to be a really exciting month. The show's going to be a little introspective. So fasten your seat belts. You're going to dive deep into your own psyche and your own magic. And I am here today with my I don't know, BFF, um co-host, amazing partner in psychological magic, Storm Sestivani, one of the smartest guys I know. Hello. <laughs> Hello. And we <laughs> I don't know are... about that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Trust me. I absolutely know about that. And I know you're going to say you're not worthy, but I know. Because I know a lot of people. I'm kind of like that. You're really in the top, you know, three smartest people I know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I don't know maybe about not that, in but... math, but, you know, and, and maybe emotional intelligence and psychological intelligence. I mean, you're right there, dude. You're absolutely right there. Well, we have um, a lot to talk about today. But before we get into it, Storm... What in the world happened that weekend after Halloween? And by the way, how was your Halloween? My Halloween was uneventful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't, you know, interestingly enough, uh, and I don't know if this is the way that it is in all of New York or if this is the way that it is just evolved all over the country, but each year there becomes less and less, you know, kids that come to the doors, they tend to gravitate more towards the malls now. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, door-to-door trick-or-treating um, seems to be quickly escaping into a thing of the past. Well, I, um, I have to agree with you, and it's really neighborhood by neighborhood. Yeah. Like some neighborhoods are still totally into it. And because it's not necessarily a community event, it's more an individual event. Um, and, like, before it was a community event, and if mm-hmm. you didn't pass out Halloween candy when we were a kid, you deserve to have your house egged or toilet papered or something. Yeah. But now, if you're like one house out of every four or five, then you're doing pretty good. Yeah. And that makes me a little sad, Storm. It makes me just a little bit sad. So, you know, what my um, mother does, which is kind of interesting, is rather than getting candy now, what she will do is that she will buy... Um, dental floss? 
No, <laughs> more more snack treats that can be used at any time so that if no kids come to the door that she has it, you know what I mean? So this year she got those little packages of goldfish. Oh, that's really cute. You um, put them in lunches. Yeah, um, and... Uh, you know, you know. So basically, she had those. Well, nobody came to the door, so now she has, you know, this big, huge bucket of I heard, goldfish. Actually, um, I was hanging out at my friend's house while uh, my daughter took a bunch of kids trick or treating. I know I'm so proud of her. Um, and um, so the parents could all stay and hang out. We had no kids at the door, but the door was open. We're waiting, and all of a sudden, several hours go by, and we go, "Hey, is your porch light on? There were no kids, and we had." Two giant bowls of candy and no kids. So, yeah. I do think the, the kids are going to malls where the parents think it's safer. It's not raining. When you're in the northern part of mm-hmm. the U.S. of A., it was a rainy, cold night on Halloween yeah. night. So, yeah, I can see that happening. But um, business communities, like in downtown Ferndale, the Saturday before Halloween was, um, was you know, trick-or-treat night in the downtown businesses. Yeah, so it's so it's interesting in regards to what occurred afterwards. Actually, we've been kind of leading up to this for a little while. Um, okay. Mercury went retrograde last month, of course, in the sign of Scorpio, and the big, big influence. And it's going to be the influence. I looked at, you know, because I'm preparing my, of course, 2014 astrological article. Ooh. Um, uh, I was looking at the astrological aspects for next year. And everything, you know, eclipse-wise, which we had an eclipse on the 3rd um, in the sign of Scorpio, eclipses are all in Taurus and Scorpio throughout the year. So basically, the Mercury retrograde kind of led the path, okay? And Scorpio is an interesting sign. Um, Number one, it is fixed water. The only thing that I can think of, Jackie, that's fixed water is an ice cube. Uh, Just kidding. You beat me to it. Ice. You know, um, is an ice cube, and um, basically one of the things about the sign is that it in, it intensifies um, emotions, experiences, um, basic human drives. You know, rather than somebody disliking somebody, they loathe them. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> which is such a Scorpio word. word. Can you get it? Wait, thank you. One more time. Loathe. You did it um, so well. <laughs> they don't dislike, they loathe. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, so it, it's a lot of intensive emotional stuff. And, you know, so you have the Mercury retrograde, which means we need to review these particular basic types of instincts that we have, um, uh, which all of the water signs, um, because of the fact that they're emotional, I think that we try to humanize them a little bit too much. Okay. Um, uh, you know, we want to think of empathy when we think of emotions. Um, uh, you know, which empathy and um, being civilized and uh, being um, uh, cordial and all of those things, that more belongs to the sign of Libra. Um, uh, you know, and it belongs to the air signs, you know, um, uh, Gemini, Aquarius. Um, and that's not to say that, that water signs are not empathetic, because they are. But the general feeling around the water signs in, 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 the, in the overview, Jackie, is that they're very, very primitive. So it's, and I don't mean 
primitive and not evolved, because I know plenty of evolved Cancer, Scorpios, and Pisces. But for the most part, the emotional attributes and the energy of the particular sign isn't real um, humanized. It's and we primal, have to take that. Yeah. yeah, it's very primal, very raw, and we have to take that into consideration. With Cancer, the issues in regards to security, mother's milk, feeling um, safe. All of that particular uh, uh, childhood issues is there. With Scorpio, what you have is something else. There's something that seems to occur as a result of moving from Cancer to Scorpio. You, of course, have um, uh, three signs. You have Leo, which has to do with um, our own understanding ourselves, seeing ourselves in some form of way, uh, understanding that I am different than you. We have Virgo, which is our day-to-day rituals that set us apart from everybody else. And we have Libra, which is our venturing into the realm, the landscape of relationships. In other words, yeah, I may be me, but I have to deal with you on some level. And Scorpio is the battleground. I was finding that this Mercury retrograde is really just digging up the next layer of stuff that's been blocking me mm-hmm. to whatever my personal goal is. Eric Francis, who's an astrologer that I have respect for, um, I believe his website is planetwaves.net, um, he wrote a wonderful article on Mercury Retrograde. And basically, you know, the key word that he associated with it was taboo. Um, and when you think about the word, of course, we automatically want to put a sexual connotation on the word taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, but the word really is everything that we we want to deny and not bring out into the into the into the public light. Um, it's all of those little itty bits of ourselves that we would prefer that other people not know about, <laughs> um, you know, ever. Except uh, of course me, because I live my life as a cautionary tale. Yeah, but even you have a little bit thing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I don't like people to see my vulnerable underbelly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, it, 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 with this Scorpio eclipse, what is starting to rise to the future, or, or to the surface, Jackie, and will rise to the future if, if people don't deal with it, um, is childhood issues, mm-hmm. um, relationship traumas, um, uh, emotional-based experiences that have what you would call a soul part attached to them, um, uh, uh, and this lovely psychological word called complexes. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's not very complex to understand what a complex is. I think that people don't like the word because usually, you know, in, in pop culture we tend to use the word complex as an insult. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you know, for example, um, uh, you're stuck in your mother complex is something that you tell a guy that, you know, uh, doesn't want to commit to you. Um, or... <laughs> Yeah, uh, you know things of that nature. We tend to uh, to use it as an insult, but you know, in the last blog that I wrote on stormsestivani.com, um, which was called "Psychological Hauntings: Dealing with Our Inner Ghosts and Demons," um, I put in basically what a complex is, which number one is a cluster of feeling tone associations around a common theme. For example, um, uh, we all have um, an experience of mother. Uh, we all have father. We have many work, career, ourselves, um, depression, um, uh, adolescence, puberty, uh, midlife. You know, these are all experiences that no matter who you are, okay, you're going to go through them in some way. 
Um, and we all have a basically experience of those particular circumstances. So all complexes have experiences associated with them. Mm-hmm. Um, complexes also make us behave in ways that are not part of our usual everyday personality. In other words, the complex takes over. And in psychology, this is called complexing out. And it's basically where the ego or the center of the personality, the you, um, suffers from a reduced ability to operate appropriately. So, you know, it will be, you know, and it's kind of like, um, for lack of a better term, possession um, in in many ways because it will be, uh, you know, for example, I know from having hypomania that when the complex takes over, Jackie, and, you know, I've described it to you privately, I've described it on the show, right. um, it is like liquid Jesus is poured through me. Um, and I begin to behave in ways uh, that ordinarily I would not behave. Everything is amplified to a dramatic level. And when the complex takes over, Jackie, all of the other things that I'm dealing with take a back seat, even things such as fear, um, even things such as, you, you know, we, we, when we get angry with somebody, we'll say, oh, my God, I'm going to kill them. You know what I mean? We don't really mean it. But, you know, those particular types of things, you, you know, begin when a complex takes over um, to take, you know, to be pushed into the background. Now, of course, that doesn't make somebody a raving serial killer. You know, most people can still maintain a sense of, you know, oh, I shouldn't really do that there. <laughs> You know, that might actually lay me in prison. But, you know, for like with hypomania, you know, somebody may um, begin to alphabetize every single book in their bookshelf or um, uh, they may fly off to Paris or Rome to buy shoes. You know, um, gotcha. uh, you know it will just take over, whereas the rational mind will say, you know what, you probably, you, you know what, yeah, you want those shoes in Rome, but, you know, who the hell wants but to get 6,000 miles for a pair of shoes? Yeah. Now, you were talking about how the complex is not necessarily how you live your day-to-day life, but sometimes it, it kicks in and it takes over. But I think, I, you know, I wonder if the complex isn't the filter that we make all of our decisions through. So even it though it might not be hanging out on our, on our shoulder like Superman's S or our chest like Superman's S, I still think it's, it's really driving the bus. One, well, all of the complexes are driving the bus because they are attached to our consciousness in some way. It is a bridgeway between your conscious mind, Jackie, and the unconscious. It's a bridge. So basically, what you, for example, in my blog article, I gave the example of, say, during your early life, you um, were poor, or you didn't have a lot of opportunities, or there were poor job conditions, or which anybody that's in their 40s right now, their parents during the beginning of the 80s, when you know there was a large, high amount of unemployment at that time. Um, if you, when you grow up and you, say for example, you know you then become a business entrepreneur and you're making millions of millions of dollars, and uh, you know you uh, feel as though that you, you know, beat the poverty. Um, the moment that an event happens in your life where things change or some form of financial struggle occurs, you begin to go back to the feelings of financial suffering in your childhood. And, and honestly, because you're talking my story, um, honestly, it doesn't, it, it doesn't let you ever feel successful. Yeah. So the anxiety you're feeling and the reactions in your situation may cause you to behave in ways in which you normally wouldn't, and that is complexing out. Right. 
you know, in other words, it may, uh, you know, when you become fearful and then, you, you know, you start to begin to hoard or you start to begin to um, do something that you normally ordinarily wouldn't do. Um, uh, you know, th- even depression can be a form of complexing out. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I can absolutely see that. And, you know, let's talk about complexes for a second because um, I remember the first couple times we talked about complex, and I've always heard that term, but I didn't really understand um, what it is because it's not as complexing out as the extreme of a complex. Yes. A complex is really normal. We all have them. Absolutely. Which there are buttons, there are triggers. Well, your mother complex on its own, Jackie, which everybody on the planet has one, is just the feeling toned associations that you have with your mother. Right. Your father complex is the feeling toned associations that you have with your father, and we all have them. Your um, money complex or your financial complex is the feeling toned associations that you have with money. We all have them. We all have a Venus. Um, so we, so if, yeah. I, if I was to kind of um, simplify, I'm not going to use the word dumb it down, but simple, although I just did, I'm going to simplify this even more to say a complex is the collection or the complexity of your opinions, emotional responses, experiences around a certain subject. Yes. So really that's what it is. So, so we all have, we've got dozens of them in our back pocket. And then in, in my world, I call them filters. Mm-hmm. So it's the filter that you look at money through or, or love and relationships or, or being a mother or having a mother or all of those different things. Yeah, for, for example, one of the things that um, uh, we noticed last month, I um, uh, upgraded my computer to Windows 8.1, and when I upgraded my computer to Windows 8.1, my um, database um, uh, of, you know, everyday people basically in my life poofed. Yeah, now, I should be running back up. But, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, so your, your chart as a result of that went poof as well. And I wrote to you and said, you know, um, Jackie, give me, you know, your 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 data so that I can put it back in my computer when it crashed. And one of the things that you noticed was that your birth time that you had given me before of I think it was nine twenty. Yeah. Or no nine twenty you gave me before was actually wrong. Yeah, my mom my mom told me nine twenty and so I always said nine twenty. And um I I've been saying nine twenty for a you know, a couple dozen years. Uh, okay, three dozen okay, more dozen years. Yeah. And um and then I, I looked at my birth certificate. I said, let me look at that time because it just so happened I was pulling something out of my wallet when you had, had sent me an email. Mm-hmm. And it was just happened to be right there. And I go, oh, let me look. And and it's not 920. It's 940. Yeah. So, you know, when I basically, you know, and at first you didn't tell me that there was a mix-up. And I ran that chart, and I was like, oh, this is, there's something wrong here. <laughs> this is not Jackie's chart. You know, I know Jackie's chart, you know, if I see it. Um, this is not, I mean, if people were to put charts in front of me, Jackie, yours is so pronounced, that I could just say, okay, this, this belongs to Jackie, you know, right away. Um, what it did, though, with just a 20-minute time difference, is that it explained several things to me that were kind of not explainable before. Um, one of the things that it explained to me was an issue that you have regarding 
finances. Okay. The, the other thing that it explained to me was your relationship with your mother in a stronger capacity. But the most dynamic thing that it explained to me, because with all of your Virgo and feminine planets, you should not be as outgoing as you are. But because of the fact that a significant amount of your planet shifted from the 12th to the 11th house of the public eye, that explains a forced extrovert. So in other words, um, uh, you know, if you were to come to me blind for um, a consultation, I would probably, when I wrote up the chart, Jackie, on my little notes at the bottom of the page, I would have wrote forced extrovert, meaning you're not naturally an extrovert, you're naturally an introvert. Extroversion is just the stage that you walk upon. In other words, because of who you are and because your identity, your son is in the 11th house now rather than the 12th, your identity is based on um, groups and um, collective ideals and wanting to do something to change the world and, you know, all of these other things. Somebody that is an introvert is not going to, it's, it's not gonna, they're not going to be able to work well with that, okay? Mm-hmm. So basically what will happen is that, in general, life will force them to be an extrovert. And, you know, one of the things that we talked about, Jackie, is that, um, uh, you know, going to John Hollis's book, you know, Hauntings, which is what we're going to talk about, but one of the things that we talked about also was societal hauntings and the fact that in the Western world, it is much better to be an extrovert than an introvert. You know, so basically when you're talking about the 11th house of the social group, Okay, the the collective idea, the the collective brain. If somebody's son, their identity is bound there, in one way or another, they're going to be forced to be an extrovert. It's not natural, but they're forced to be one. Interesting. It is, I really feel that. I feel that that is, um, uh, everything that you said there is true. But yet, I mean, we've talked about this before, introvert versus extrovert. It's a mixed bag. Yeah. they love people love an extrovert as an adult, but they like introverted children. Yeah, because they're quieter. Because they're quieter. <laughs> you know, and they tend to behave a little bit better. Um, you know, one of the things that pe- that people think with me, Jackie, is that um, you know because I'm a Leo, that I'm going to be this raving extrovert. Um, but if you get to know me on the de- on a deeper level, like you know, you do. Um, you know, if somebody was to say, what is Storm, an introvert or an extrovert, what's your answer going to be? Um, you're an introvert. Yeah. But but if we look at the definition of introvert and extrovert down to, um, again, simplest form, an introvert recharges their batteries or feeds their souls by um, being alone. Yeah. By having quiet time, by being able to contemplate, or just being quiet. An extrovert recharges by interacting with the world. Yes. And so I find I recharge more, get more excited when I'm interacting with the world. Yes. Now, you see, even though that my son is also in the 11th house like yours, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I've chosen a particular profession that makes me have to deal with people, um, uh, you know, uh, being a Leo, I can act out the role of an extrovert well. I can, you know, on on the surface, people might think extrovert. Um, You know, but uh, for the most part, I would much rather have my books and, you know, um, my house and, you know, my inner sanctuary than, you know, be a Walmart. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm not saying I'd rather be shopping, but yeah. but my favorite thing to do is um, is to interact with people. Yeah, that's really what I I would rather be talking to someone or um, or or a couple of someone's and just that just makes me happy. So I I think that with this Scorpio eclipse and. When we decided to do hauntings was at the end of September. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about the Scorpio eclipse at that time. Um, basically, what had happened is that there is a particular, you know, for, for my school, there's a particular list of um, um, extra things that we have to do. And it was one of the things that, that were, uh, you know, it was a seminar on, on hauntings and the book that was one of the things that was on the required list, or, or suggested list, excuse me. Um, and you have to choose amount of them to do um so basically you know i chose the haunting ones why not mix you know what i mean right, it was, uh, it interesting, right? you know if i have to do it anyways you know uh, not mix it so you know i went and got the the kindle version of the book for jackie and um uh, we were going through it but the scorpio eclipse really jackie is bringing up all of those issues of hauntings which are um you know one of the things that um uh, john hollis does talk about in um uh, his book is that when we think of you know Halloween, for example, or we think of um, ghosts and specters and ghouls and shades and all this other stuff, we have a tendency to think in the physical world. Um, yet, often the ghosts and the spectral objects that are running our lives are not in the physical world at all. They're in the psychological world. Um, and usually they occur because of some form of a psychological trauma um, that the psyche has difficulty integrating in regards to their lives. Um, and as a result of that, we develop a complex. Well, so, so let's talk about hauntings for a second. Sure. Since we're, you know, we're, we're a good, good portion into the show. And I think it really, um, just with a um, Scorpio eclipse, yeah. um, and then with Mercury retrograde, I think we're all, and then Halloween, yeah. Everyone I'm talking about, uh, talking to, I may be talking about it after I talk to them, but everyone I'm talking to has, is talking about their challenges. They're, they're, um, they're like, God, I feel like I just took 20 steps back and all of those things. So um, they, they feel like they're, they're retrograding themselves in their personal life mm-hmm. and, and feeling like they're, they're going back to their past and having to revisit their past. Even my husband asked me, he goes, how come all of a sudden all these people from my past are just showing up? I'm like, hmm, let's talk about that. But um, it's just, it's really the experience overall. And that we're dealing with hauntings at the same time is perfect. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk a little bit about the book. Sure. And what, what this is all about. Because you think that psychology and magic have nothing to do with each other? Oh, they got everything to do with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do you? So, tell me a little bit more about this book and why you got so excited about having me read it. Um, I would tell you I wasn't real excited after I got to chapter two. Um, <laughs> um, well, the reason that I that I wanted to explore this is that, especially in regards to magic and arcane sciences, one of my difficulties with 
those fields um, is that they tend to skate the surface of the deep, but they don't necessarily go into those waters. And um, with you doing transformative magic, um, you know, rather than whatever kind of magic other people are doing, um, you know, you tend to go into these very, very deep waters, and it's in alignment, um, I felt, in many ways with um, uh, a lot of the Akashic stuff that we talked about in in October. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, my feeling here um, is that as long as ghosts are running through the house, um, uh, and we don't have some form of ability either to integrate it or we continue to deny it. In essence, we're all like Caroline and Poltergeist. Um, not necessarily with um, an old man coming to the door, um, but more from the particular aspect of these particular issues, these particular issues from the past. Um, these particular traumas, regardless of what those traumas are, and we've all had them on one level or another, um, continue to bang around in the house and um, uh, uh, control people. And, um, uh, you know, people can, in effect, and it was one of the, uh, the, the part in Chapter 2, Jackie, where it, it basically, st- he bluntly states, if somebody allows a haunting to continue for too long, in essence, basically, their life is shut off. So what he talks about, <laughs> excuse me, that are hauntings, pardon me, is not necessarily a disincarnate spirit, but but um, an, a disincarnate emotion. Yeah. Um, that That is, um, I, which we like to say, I like to say driving the bus, but is, a, an influencer in your life. Yeah. And you don't realize it. That's the why it's a haunting is because you don't see it. It's in your blind spot. And you've disassociated from it. Have you, and you've disassociated from Which it. Which I yeah. should probably define <laughs> uh, dissociation. Um, uh, dissociation in basic terms is when you, for whatever reasons, the psyche prefers to see something as not existing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're cut off from it in an emotional way. And when you cut off from it in an emotional way, meaning if you have a complex that um, is so cut off from the conscious mind and it's so far into the unconscious um, that there is no ability basically for the conscious mind to bridge over to that unconscious and back and forth in order for the individual to deal with it um, on one level or another. It is kind of like, um, uh, you, you know, if you took a man, Jackie, and you put him in your cellar for 30 years um, and trapped him in there and, you know, you tossed down a, you know, a loaf of bread a month and, you know, some water, um, sooner or later... As he gets bigger and bigger and bigger and his desperation in regards to escaping comes out and he rips off the door and takes over the house, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, that's basically what, you know, in, in essence, you know, you know uh, is the imagery basic, basically of a haunting is that sooner or later that complex will take over the house. So, Storm, what always happens when we take on a hard subject? We have it happen in our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. So we've both been experiencing our own. I will. I, I will tell you, Jackie, that when I got into Chapter Two, and it started pushing and poking my own issues, which I have 
talked about on the air, and uh, which which has been part of my bridge. That that's what uh, you know, that's what I want people to know. Um, my talking about sexual abuse, my talking about hypermania, things that I hid for years, mm-hmm. has been part of my bridge to dealing with this particular haunting. I mean, it has been my exorcism. Um, uh, and basically, you know, when I got into some of the deeper level stuff, Jackie, and when he says things as blunt as, if you don't deal with it, the possibilities of your life will be cut off. It scared the holy gum out of me. (laughs) So it it did because what, um, well, you know, it scared me too, and I took it in a different way. Um, well, probably the same way you did. I did it kind of. Oh hell no! <laughs> I need, I need to 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 look at this square in the face. Um, mm-hmm. um, just surrender this ghost, elevate this ghost, and and realize that wow, that's been defining me for so long. Yeah. It's it. it you want to if you want to know what defines you. Um, go to a cocktail party with some good friends or some friends of good friends where you connect with them and listen to what comes out of your mouth mm-hmm. as you talk about yourself. Yeah. So so sometimes those things as you get to know somebody, those those secrets or those big tells about who you are as a person that you tell somebody in the first, say, six months of your friendship with them, those are the things that define you. And um, And one of the big things is my mother complex. Yeah, and saying, uh, and then she she showed up literally in the building, um, and she's having different challenges right now, and and I was like girding my loins and getting ready to you know put my emotional armor on, and she gets wheeled in here, and I look at her and I go, oh, this is a completely different ball game now. Yeah, this is someone who needs my help. And who is totally disassociated from life? Thank you very much. You know, one of the things that happened to me, Jackie, when um, I went—you know—I went through two years of therapy. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that when we were discussing, you know, basically what happens to me when I go into hypomania. Um, one of the things that my therapist, God bless her soul, for being in my life, um, uh, brought up to me is that you know when you go through a particular period in which especially in the formidable years, in which when you go to people and you tell them, look, this is happening to me, and they don't believe you, and then you complex out, and basically you do what it is that you do, uh, whether that that be outward um, mistruths or inward mistruths, regardless of what it is. Mm-hmm. One of the things that she said is, is here is, here is the dynamic and the component. You, at least at that particular point, can control it, you did it, it is your particular action, and therefore whatever the consequences is, somebody is no longer in control of you. And she said, one of the issues with your hypomania is it was busting out of that particular level of control that people had over your particular life for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Jackie, it is. You know, when it, it is, it, and when you hear something like this, Jackie, it is so obvious. Yeah, at the same time, you're just blown away. <laughs> right. So, so we've we've kind of we've glossed over the the hauntings in the book and and all that stuff. But I just want to kind of go back to what was so profound 
from when I read it. Now, granted, I'm not in my PhD program, mm-hmm. and I'm just you know struggling through reading somebody who's talking about Jung. Um, so, what was so profound? This is nothing new to me. This is nothing new. It's just phrasing it in a new way. Is that all of these are different um, aspects that I work with in the Akashic Records? But to look at your parents' complexes, your parents' yeah. issues as your first haunting, as the first filter that you view life through. So so what can haunt you is your parents' beliefs, your parents' parents' beliefs, your societal beliefs. They haunt you in a way that says, um, I don't know if I can move around this, or, or you become afraid of, of um, stirring up that ghost. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a very um, almost sacred thing to to not touch it. For instance, you know, we've always done things this way. Well, we're we're Smiths and Smiths are like this and we're the Jones family and and the Jones family does this. So, or my dad always said this. Um so that's the first thing that that really kind of defines us as human beings is is we're first defined by the issues of our parents. Yeah. And then we break out into our own, but if you never address the issues of your parents, you know, if you're if you're in line with the issues of your parents and you're happy there, then God bless you, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But more and more of us are saying, I, I'm discontented. I'm not okay with living the life that my parents prescribed for me because that was what they knew. And so that's what the that's what the initial part of the book is about is that type of haunting. Um, and that societal, that parental haunting, and those, and I see those as family legacies. Yeah, I and see them as family curses. Family legacies, family curses. Um, actually, I, I tend to use legacies when I'm working with clients because if I say family curse, they freak out. Um, I want them to freak out. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference between us. Well, they shut down. I actually want them to to to, to freak out. Well, and um, it's, it's hard when it's hard when you're, um, and I also don't want to sound like. Um, uh, someone who's trying to rip them off, but um, I, I I want to um, I, I started calling them family legacies because not all of them are curses. Yeah, um, well, a family legacy includes a family curse, but sometimes it's a family blessing as well. The reason that when I'm with a client, I don't I don't use the word family curse. When I'm teaching astrology, okay. I will use the word family curse because I want to show the dynamic effect that basically occurs as a result of that eighth house, which is ruled by Scorpio, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, you know, I want people to be able to see that that is... Naturally, Jackie, they call it death legacies and taxes, okay? What kind of boring house is that, okay? But if you say <laughs> um, familial curses, they will wake up in two freaking seconds, you know? <laughs> you know, and that they, will, they, will, they, will, they will take more of a uh, broader look at that particular house. I know that looking at at your particular chart, and, you know, I, I'm not going to reveal anything that you've uh, told me privately that you have not said on the show. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, one of the things that you have talked about on the show frequently is your issue about money. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I looked at your the new chart, the, the Jackie chart, um, 2.0, um, <laughs> uh, you know, basically it showed a very, very highlighted imagery in regards to your familial issues in regards to money in general. That there is an issue in regards to money and that there is an issue in regards to values. 
um, uh, in regards to your, uh, you know, what you psychologically inherited from from your family. Now, Patty might have inherited something else, but you know, this is what you inherited. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you dealt with, you know, and of course, you know, what, and, uh, uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit in the next podcast, but, um, uh, uh, there is, I think, a difference in motivation with different age groups, and there's such a significant age gap between Patty and you that possibly that what your parents were dealing with when she was born is very, very different than what the, your parents were dealing with when you were born. True. It's it's very true, and um, you know when of course, like we say, whenever we decide to take on a deep subject, um, it that that subject shows itself. Yeah, that law of synchronicity. Um, and just before recording this show, um, I had a client who I, I was I've been on a hiatus of doing readings because with the book launch and everything. Um, and this was someone that was sent to me, um, and she really needed some love and some care and some Akashic care. Yeah. And what's interesting, I'm not going to give her big old story away because yeah. it's, it's her own story, but what's interesting is I do a meditation before a big healing session and sometimes I get things that I, I need to make sure I look at and I jot them down. And the things that I jotted down for her was family curses, um, hauntings, um, and I went, oh, well, I'm just going to let that one go because, you know, I'm reading the book. Mm-hmm. But as she was beginning to tell me her story, things are happening in were were former past tense happening in her house, like um, lights blowing out, cupboards opening up, doors opening up, um, um, things falling off the shelves and breaking, that kind of thing. That's kind of like a haunting, isn't it? Yeah. It was. Um, now, and in, in the way I see things, and granted, it's just a story. No matter how you describe it to me, it's the way your brain can understand it and describe mm-hmm. it to me. Mm-hmm. So the way my brain understands it and describes it to me was a family curse. And this family curse is, is really, it was really hard to, to help her with because it was hitting my buttons. Um, but this family curse had an entity attached to it, and and that's that thought form, that energy that keeps it keeps it going that just when you think you're healing from it 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 sparks it back up again and so really this was her haunting herself Uh and all this energy happening in her life um where you feel like you're you're filled with all this bad luck um and and for her it, it was literally things breaking and stuff like that and it felt so it felt very separate from her but yet at the same time, this was her her family legacy, her the, the complexes of her parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-great-grandparents all condensing down mm-hmm. into her and and her bearing all of their shame upon her shoulders. Yeah, it, 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 and, and I think, you know, because basically I think that what happens, Jackie, in regards to family curses, um, is that, you know, of course there was in my stepfather's family that there was a huge, um, lack of a better term, um, curse of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. God knows how many generations that went back, you know what I mean? Um, but basically what will happen is that a curse will continue to go on and on and on and on until somebody 
deal with it, okay? And, you know, certain individuals, you know, when they say, uh, and, and of course, you know, they're the one that usually ends up in the psychologist's office. Um, right. uh, you know, and, and we tend to look at things from the particular perspective of why me and, um, you know, why do, am I the one that got stuck with this? Meanwhile, you know, um, my sibling doesn't seem to have any problems with this at all. Um, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, why? Um, mm-hmm. And basically, you know, what it has to do with is I think that we all get particular issues that we come to this particular planet, whether you want to deal with, whether you want to call it past life karma or you want to call it familial karma, you get your own little bit that you have to work through in order to make the world a better place. And I think that that, you know, realizing that and looking at those particular perspectives from the the lens of hauntings, I think is what actually opens up to, uh, us up to the particular um, process of healing, which we will talk about so that people know we will be talking about that in the next podcast. So, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it, I think that this is probably, uh, out of all of the topics that we've talked about in you and I have been doing shows together now for five years. Um, out of all of the shows, I think that this is probably the most significant and most important. Well, it's interesting that, that you say that because uh, I talk about the magic of synchronicity. When something's ready to be shared or dealt with in your life, there's this huge synchronicity that happens. And actually, that's one of his chapters, is his, his yeah. chaos theory, um, that when um, sometimes it's just, oh, it happens to everyone happens to be talking about it. And he talks about that as a haunting. But also, when something's ready to be dealt with, it will haunt you in different ways. And so um, I already had um, created and tested um, some magical tools to work with your own personal haunting. And then, and we talk about it, Storm and I plot and plan our shows out and then do a free-for-all and don't even look at our notes during, mm-hmm. during the podcast. Yeah. But yesterday... Um, I did. I do a training, an entrepreneurial training, um, once a quarter. So yesterday was that training day, and I'm all done with this. And I call Storm, and I say, "You're not going to believe this." <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, I believe everything, you know. And and uh, what we talked, the, the the things that they they had us go through and write down, and it was building strategy. It was all about building strategy. Um, they had us define our limiting beliefs. They had us build um, our goals, and then he had us talk about our limiting beliefs. And I nearly fell out of my chair on that whole thing. I was laughing so hard on the inside, um, and then I had to say to talk to him about it later. I go, this is actually what I teach people in empowerment classes. So I'm laughing my butt off here. And, um, and he just looked at me going, oh, that's nice. I just want to get this instructor in one of my classes and mm-hmm. have him laugh um, because um, it changed. We're going to do it differently. We're going to do this um, in a very different proactive way, this magic. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do it from the inside out. And that's, so just to kind of jump on whatever you're about to say, psychology and magic are so hand in hand because you need to um, you need your um, spirit, which is those those complexes or, or mm-hmm. um, that metaphysical things, those things that you can't touch and they're not tangible, to create magic. But the thing that stops your magic in its tracks is your own stuff, your own fears, complexes, issues. It's That's- just- 
it, it's definitely, you know, one of the primary things that I wanted to, to talk about for the last 15 minutes of the show was really um, how does hauntings or how do hauntings um, relate to our personal magic. And, you know, when we were basically how Jackie and I structure the show is that we have, uh, you know, we know what the topic material is. We go through, you know, our contribution to the topic material. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of days, usually two days before the recording of the show, um, Jackie and I have a sit down in which we talk about what it is that we want to cover. And, uh, you, you know, and we'll kind of relate to some things or bring up a, a, a certain issues in regards to mapping it out. And, you know, my feeling here, Jackie, is how does this relate to our personal magic? I think it has everything to relate to our personal magic. I think every single bit, uh, when you do magic, when you decide that you're going to cast a spell, you can't park your complexes outside your house. No, because they're driving the bus. They're yeah. how you view things. So you can do a spell on prosperity, and let me be the cautionary tale here. You can be doing spells on prosperity or, or, or working on your prosperity issues over and over and over and over again and, and become a master at it and still have a prosperity complex, a money complex, where you can't see what's going on. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until, God, just a couple of weeks ago, I think I called you. Yeah. And I said, I get it. I get it. I get how much my money complex has been blinding me from what I'm able to do. I have been able to manifest what I need to manifest all the time. Yeah. I have, I, I, I'm really blessed. Yeah. And and I'm financially blessed. I, I don't want a Lexus. I don't want a McMansion. Um, and I can pretty much do what I want. And if I want something, I can create it. So what's my problem? Mm-hmm. So I've been doing all this work, and it's been working. But up until, you know, and, and granted, it, it becomes this, this kind of slow realization until all of a sudden one day you go, oh, I get it. Um, but I'm the one, not only did I block it spiritually or, or intellectually or, or emotionally, I refused to see it when it worked. Mm-hmm. So it was my filter. Yeah. And it reminds me of that in the, in the Coventry Magic book. I have the story about the guy who was doing the love spell. Yeah. And um, he had all these women around him flirting with him. And, and he said, well, the love spell didn't work because nobody asked me out. <laughs> so really? Because you have women blatantly flirting with you but none of them stopped and asked you out. That's mm-hmm. hilarious. But So his complex was about that. But in addition, he's always the hero in his life, um, so no one would ask him out because there was no room for that. It's just watching that whole thing and going, oh, we have a little more to talk about, son. Yeah. So how do you? how is this? Um, you feel it really is connected, so tell me how, how you see it connected. Well, sometimes I will tell you that the complex will strike, or let me say that the self will strike back. And what the self is, is that the self is kind of, um, in psychological terms, it's probably more associated with um, the God self or the higher self. Okay. Um, I think that the self at times, and this may be the synchronistic um, aspect, um, and, you know, for example, I'll just use uh, my own 
circumstance. Um, uh, several years ago, I had, the, you know, I, I have all of Jackie's stuff. Um, and I was flipping through her little pick of candle card. <laughs> and I said, and it, you know, there's seven steps to bringing better friendships in your life. So I was just like, oh, this will be cool. You know, I want some cool friends. <laughs> you, you, know, um, you know, maybe hang out with Paris Hilton. <laughs> Not really. Um, but, uh, you, know, let, let's, let, you know, let's do this. So I got the candles and I um, burned them. And my feeling, Jackie, is that it was the self beginning a particular synchronistic type of a, a particular event. Because I burned those candles and lost every one of my friends. <laughs> Except maybe two or three. Um, so, uh, so, basic, so basically, you know, but what that particular spell did do, Jackie, is that the particular individuals that are in my life that I call friends now, which maybe has amplified to ten, um, uh, you know, are people that, I, that are really um, uh, interested in me. They're not interested in what it is that I can do for them. Um, they're not interested in um, uh, my possibly being able to take them to another level or what particular knowledge that I have or, you know, how big the bulge in my wallet is or... Um, <laughs> Uh, no, not where I thought you were going. You're scaring me there for a second. <laughs> you know, they're they're not real concerned with that. You know, what they're con- what they're concerned and interested in is storm. Um, and, um, you, you know, and, and basically, you know, so I'm grateful for the particular experience at this point. I wasn't too grateful at the time, I will tell you the truth. And, you know, I have, I still have five death candles that I still have not burned. Um, but, uh, and may never, they may end up in a shrine somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, but, I, but uh, you know, the thing here is, is that it, it, it did create the particular passageway um, for, for things to occur. So, you know, I think that what, you know, if anything, Jackie, before you sit down and you do that come to me spell, because, you know, you want your boyfriend to come towards you, really think about why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and you know, we discussed this. You know, you know, Jackie, you and I, um, in when we were doing the show notes, an individual may come to us and say, "Oh, you know, Jackie, I want my relationship to work," and they may look at things in some broad sort of way. And you know, you will make your suggestions. Well, you know, you, you know, my suggestion is that you burn um, the seven steps to love and romance. You know, which has um, uh, uh, spell breaker candles in it, and you know, all kinds of stuff. Um, you know, in regards to working with. Our particular issues. But if somebody is coming to you, uh, Jackie, to talk to you about candles, and basically, you know, they're adamant about what it is that they need is simply a come-to-me candle, what they may be operating out of really is just the complex or the haunting. Yes. That's where I think we get get hung up. And that's why... um, I say in my book, or and I every time I talk to somebody, it doesn't even need to be in my book, is that if you didn't have an issue around this, then you wouldn't need to do a spell about it. Yeah. So, so the hauntings book just is. It's a little bit hard to get through, just because there's there's some psychological. It's an academic term. book. Yeah. It's an academic book. It's a little bit dry, but he's really a good author. With it being an academic book, it's it's not as dry as one would think. It's actually for an academic book pretty damn exciting um but um but that's why i was so excited to to read this and find this validation to say this is what i do magically and so this is what he's talking about is a psychological problem now i have to be honest with you storm i haven't finished the book Uh and um i think it's going to take me a long time and this is really pushing my buttons 
And it's, I mean, it, it, it's a deep, a deep, intense book. You know, the. Um, uh, have you finished it? Almost. I have not completely finished the whole thing because of the fact that each time I go into a different chapter, you know, I'm then sitting there for three days thinking about it. You that's, know, um, that's my same problem too. On some level. The thing that I found the most fascinating um, uh, is what you and I discuss often in terms of um, magic or in terms of spirituality also has a deeply psychological language. It does, and so this is a validation that I'm excited to see because um, when I'm working with um, clients, I don't do a typical reading. I'm, and you don't do a typical reading. You go deep no. in a different way. Mm-hmm. But my readings are much more psychological because that's where I find your strengths, the biggest strengths and weaknesses are. I have one rule with readings, by the way. What? Well, my rule with readings is this, and it's why if I have somebody with extreme issues, I'm going to refer them outward. The reason being is that I don't like to switch from being an oracle to a therapist. Um, I just it, and it's just a personal flavoring. In other words, if somebody has come to me to ask me what is wrong with their life and what is going on, mm-hmm. I can give them the menu, Jackie. But basically, I usually refer them out to dealing with the particular issues. Well, a lot of times, if something's really intense, I'll I'll talk about. Do you need to? You need backup with this, and you need to you need to get regular therapy. Now, me, I'm coming from 100% spiritual perspective. Mm-hmm. And so when I see something and I'm experiencing something and I say, it's like there's this giant table and your family's around it and they've all made this huge banquet, but it's all poison. What does that mean to you? <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and then we find out that she's actually dealing with different um, complexes and family curses. Yeah, yeah and, you, and, and you do the, one of the things that you do, whether consciously or unconsciously, is that you do kind of the opposite of, of me, is that, you know, and this has happened where, you know, clients have called me after that they have worked with you, um, is that, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, you open up these big, huge, gigantic issues. Basically, what the client then may need is the pinpointed Issue. What, is, what, what exactly am I dealing with right now? Which is more where I want to work. And we're just two different styles, yeah. which makes yeah. us really compatible to talk about things from two different perspectives. Yeah. And and I always tell people this is not done. Well, I'm never done. You're never done. And so get back up. And if it's another session with me, that's fine, and I'm I'm happy to do that. But if it's a session with Storm or a session with your, your psychologist that you're working with, your therapist that you're working with, or a shaman, or somebody. But yeah. don't be alone. Don't. Yeah. So we, we work really, I work really hard in a session. Actually, my session went over by about 45 minutes because um, I wasn't going to leave her hanging. Yeah. We, you know, we close it up. So that's my risk in doing that. But, um, but this is so fascinating, we can't even cover it all. That's why we're doing another podcast. I know. <laughs> I know because it, it fam- and this is why we're doing it in November because November is like one of the ultimate family months. It begins our torture with our, fa- I mean, our loving experience with our family. Yeah. <laughs> and and so instead of doing a holiday show or um, these things, we just want to deal with talk about what's going to come up for you. Yeah. Um, magically, energetically. 
Uh, and I think that Thanksgiving, which, by the way, is the most boring holiday that ever existed. I know. Um, uh, you know, I think that, it, you know, when, when you have to sit down with 50 people that, you know, 46 of them you don't even like, um, and, you know, who have stabbed you in the back one way or another through the course of your lifetime, mm-hmm. and you have to sit down at that table and break bread with them, you know, and carve a turkey, um, uh, you know, it often brings up issues, and it brings up anxieties. And, um, you know, what I would like people to do this holiday season, Jackie, is to jot down what anxieties are coming up. Because here is the thing. If you start the activation process of dealing with the psyche, you start the healing. Even if it is as simple as Uncle Paul really ticked me off when he took that last biscuit when I knew when he knew that I wanted it. Right. It begins the particular process of healing. And that is right in line with your own personal magic. Yeah. It really is so being able to take those actions to heal those things. Magic is healing. Magic is healing. So we want to thank our sponsor, CoventryCreations.com. We'll go over to their site because, you know, we always have a candle for that, even for Thanksgiving trauma. And, and we want you to... What did you say? I'm crossing, I'm crossing, I'm crossing. Oh, and I'm crossing, I'm crossing, I'm crossing. So we want you to keep it magic, and what do they need to do, Storm? Speak life, everybody. feels perfect other days it just ain't working the good the bad the right the wrong and everything in between yo it's crazy amazing we can turn our heart through the words we say mountains crumble with every syllable hope can live or die so speak Thank you. 